Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. So welcome back, everyone. So for those of us that have been with us a couple of months, one of the major themes we've been learning is how God moves in unlikely moments to unlikely people in unlikely places. And we've been seeing that through the life of Philip. When the church was scattered and persecuted, Philip finds himself in Samaria and preaches and shares the gospel there. And we saw it again when God brings him out of Samaria just to meet an Ethiopian man who would actually end up becoming the gateway to introduce Christianity to Africa. And so it just goes to show that things aren't what they appear to be. Sometimes it might feel illogical, chaotic, and messy, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't know what he's doing. He's actually working. And I think that's an encouragement for a lot of us who are in this pandemic who feel like our life is chaotic and messy and illogical to know that God is actually working in your your life and my life. And I think that's very important because, you know, even the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And so what is actually most important to learn, especially during this time, is to learn to see through the eyes of the Spirit rather than through our own flesh and logic. And I think that is so important, especially as our culture perpetuates an idea and a life of perception. You know, our culture glorifies it and emphasizes it. And unfortunately, as a result of that, for many of us, it's so hard for us to be our our authentic selves anymore. There's a, a very little place where we can be honest and be vulnerable of our own flaws and our weaknesses and our shortcomings. You know, even psychology has proven the fact that every human being has defense mechanisms when it comes to criticisms or addressing our flaws and our brokenness. It's just even worse now, especially at this time where social media that has just glorified and emphasized on editing our our words and filtering our faces, right? And I know that because just a week ago, uh, I was in on a UPS print commercial. How I got that was, is another story, but the truth is when they were taking pictures of me, I don't really look that good, okay? Like, yeah, sure, I'm okay looking, but they made me look way better than I really am. All that makeup, they had all my blemishes, all those editing to cover up all my flaws to make the best version of myself that doesn't really exist. But that's what our culture perpetuates and emphasizes, and as a result, it's so difficult, especially for many of us, whether we're millennials or Gen Z, to really come to a place to be honest about our authentic selves. And I believe that when it comes to faith, that becomes a problem or a place of tension because the gospel, which is called the good news, doesn't really, for many of us, doesn't really make sense. And for many of us, I believe it's so hard for us to embrace, understand, and experience the power of that because it actually requires us to confront the worst of who we are, 
which many of us don't like. And that's why the Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God who is being saved. You know, Christianity asserts that we are not good without God. And you know what? That's incredibly offensive because no one wants to hear that they're not great. No one wants to hear that they're not good. Yet, for over 2,000 years, so many people, including myself, have been drawn by it, can compelled by it, and transformed by it. And we see it as good news because even though it exposes the worst of who we are, it actually shows that we are so deeply loved in spite of it. In fact, I was talking to one of the college students this week, and she was sharing that is the reason why she continues to explore faith. She was sharing how much she has struggled with her own vulnerabilities, her own shortcomings, because she was so afraid that if she would share them, no one would love her. But exploring faith and through the life of this community, she started having the courage to be honest about her most vulnerable self, and because of that, she's been saying that it's been transforming and changing the, her relationships within her friends and her family for the better. And so the reason why I share this, because that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how the gospel, the gospel can actually be good news for us and what that actually looks like. And we're going to go to Acts 9 and we're going to go into this passage to the life of Saul and really discover what that really means and how that applies to it. So I'll see you guys in a few. Hello. Today's scripture is from the books of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might make them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we actually see the gospel as good news? And this is the first lesson we learned, is when we can admit the worst of who we are, we are far more sinful than we could ever know. And you know, you see this play out in the life of Saul. And who is Saul? Well, he was an elite Pharisee, meaning that he was an incredibly talented and gifted teacher of the law. He knew the Torah inside out. He knew the Old Testament rules and regulations, and he followed them to the T. And so this man was well-respected. He was admired. Um, he lived in righteousness. But even in all those things, there was something within him that was deeply wrong, something that he couldn't even see. And in Luke, and Luke writes about this in verse 1, and this is what he says. He says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. In other words, the way Luke described Saul was that he was breathing out something poisonous. He was breathing out something that exuded death. So that means something internally was actually rotten. Something that was toxic that didn't breathe out life, but actually robbed other people and other things about and brought death. And we know that because in verse two, we see that he would go even to a point of persecuting the most vulnerable. He would go out intentionally to jail and persecute mothers, women, and children. And so what happens? As he nears Damascus on his journey, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Theologians call this a theophany, and that's when God physically manifests himself in humanity. And you know, this is nothing new, because throughout the Old Testament, we see it time and time and again. We see it when God shows up as a burning bush to Moses, and again to the Israelites in the desert when he shows up by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so we see this again in this passage where he shows up as a flash of light to Saul. And the question was, why a flash of light? And the answer is really simple. It was to really expose the blindness of his own self-righteousness. It was to expose how much he's been hurting himself and others. In other words, what the Bible calls sin. Right, because what is the attribute of light anyway, right? What does light do? It's supposed to clarify, reveal, and expose. And that's what, he's, what God is doing in this passage. God is revealing everything that's going on in Saul's life. Even the things that he might not want to see of himself. And I'm sure all of us could relate to that. There are a lot of areas in our life that we do not care to want to admit, be honest about, to reveal the offensive things, the disgusting things, the vulnerable things. But that's what God is revealing in this passage. And what the point of all this is, is that we can try to be good on our own. But if we cannot admit, admit our own sin, it will lead us to destruction. 
you know, for example, uh, I live with four other guys, and as much as it's been really fun, when you have five guys living in one apartment, it can get really gross and really disgusting real quick, especially in the bathroom. Now, there was one time I was trying to clean the bathroom, and I thought I did a thorough clean, but for some reason, there was that smell of pee that was still lingering in the bathroom. And then, you know, I thought maybe it was on my shirt somehow when I was cleaning, or my pants. But no matter what I did, I could not get the smell out. And it wasn't until I had to use my iPhone flashlight to look around the bend of the toilet to find that there was a pool of dry pee hidden in the corner. Now, how it got there, I have no idea, right? I know us guys, we have a tendency of missing, but that was really off the mark. And I'm not blaming anybody because I could have been me too. But it wasn't until that was addressed, exposed, and dealt with that we could actually experience the real clean that we need. You know, and I say that in light of, you know, what's going on because, you know, just to make things a little lighter, but to tell you the truth, even in my own life, you know, I had, I was so blind to my own self-righteousness. I was so blind to my own self-glory and my own greed. I didn't know how much it was actually hurting others. You know, even when people try to address it and confront it, I was so frustrated at why things weren't going right that I blamed others for the for my problems. I thought the problem was them. And it wasn't until I was confronted by God and by the grace of others that I had to actually look in the mirror and ask myself who I was actually becoming and what direction what I was actually heading towards. And I sure and 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 that and that's when I actually asked God for a change of heart. And I share that because there comes an unedited moment in our lives where all of us have to look in the mirror and ask that question. And there has to be a moment where we have to realize that no matter how much we want to change ourselves, that we can't. And no matter how much we try to do the right thing, we, we end up doing the wrong thing. And until that is not realized that we are so limited to change ourselves, that's when the gospel actually starts making sense. And where we turn and we have to surrender to God and give Him control in our lives as our Lord and Savior. That's why the gospel will either become offensive or beautiful. It's beautiful for us that can admit and come in humility and know that we cannot change ourselves. That we know that we're limited and, and we are broken. And that's why the gospel is so beautiful and it's such good news. But it will be offensive to us if we resist and don't believe that that's true, that we have the capability and the strength and the power to change ourselves and it's not going to make sense. And, and I get that because for me personally, I grew up in the church. You know, I understood the concepts of the good news. I understood the idea of the gospel. But it wasn't until I came to a point where I saw the limitation of my own strength and my power that the good news actually became really good news. And so that's the question that I have for you guys today. You know, for us believers growing, uh, growing up in the church, I, I want to challenge you to examine your faith. Have you come to a moment where you came to a place of surrender? Have you come to a place where you recognize that you can't do it on your own? And for us that who's been seeking, I pray that it might actually be a moment where you see the sweetness of God's love and beauty and grace 
where you could come to a place where you can admit your flaws and your brokenness and your sin and not be afraid, but actually find the joy of salvation that actually comes from Christ. And so whether you grew up in the church or you haven't, or where you're a seeker or believer, I, I pray that your eyes and my eyes will be open to the good news of what's actually present right now. And I pray that he will show that to you. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we actually see the gospel as good news? And in the first part, I mentioned how Jesus showed up as a flash of light to expose the sin of Saul. But there's actually an underlying reason. Because in the Old Testament, whenever God shows up as light, there's a special word for it, and it's called Shekinah glory. And you see this happening again in the Old Testament where when Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, God shows up physically in, in his glory and light, and that's called the Shekinah glory. And again, Elijah goes up to the mountain and sees God and sees his glory as well. And so when, when Saul sees this flash of light, as an elite Pharisee, he knows what's actually going on. And even though he's reluctant to the idea of Jesus because he was resistant to it, when the flash of light came, he knew at that moment that Jesus was God. And the reason why I say that because for many of us here, we've experienced that one way or another, especially for those who believe, that in all our moments in, our, in, in the journey of our faith, we've come to a place where there was this a Shekinah glory moment where it might not have been a flash of light, but it was definitely a moment where the manifest presence of God was so undeniable that you knew it was him, right? For some of us, it was it comes from the coincidences of the conversations that you had with your friends or even with your family members, and it just so happens that the same exact topic and issue is brought up whether when Pastor Lydia is, uh, is sharing during worship or Doc and myself during the sermon. And I know and I recall some people getting really upset because they, they thought we were conspiring against them, trying to create this narrative that God, you know, that like we were peering into them. And the, the reality is that that's not true. Because although we love you guys, the reality is we're not Amazon, you know, we're not Facebook, we're not peering into your conversations. And we don't even have time for that. You know, as much as we love you guys, we still have our own lives that we're living in. You know, your lives aren't that important to us, okay? But for some of us, it's not coincidences through conversations, but even dreams. And you guys had dreams. Dreams about Christ showing up. Dreams about God revealing himself to you. And even though you guys might think that it might have been the pizza that you ate last night, the reality is that it's actually God's manifest presence which is trying to show up, trying to help you draw near. And why I say that to you guys, and why I'm bringing this up, is because I know for some of us um, who are seeking right now have been experiencing that and feeling that. And there's a resistance to it. 
And there's a doubt to it. And I know, I get it. You know, it's weird sometimes. You know, you've never experienced it before. It's uncertain. But I, I just want to let you guys know that if you're sincerely seeking Him right now, that those things are supposed to happen because God is trying to draw you near to Him. He's saying, He's answering your prayers and your harder hearts and saying, I exist. I'm dwelling among you. I am with you. And He wants you he wants to draw you near to Him. And so, whether you're seeking or investigating right now, I pray that you would catch those Shekinah glory moments, those manifest moments, not to deny them, not to be afraid of them, to walk towards them. And so for the seeker, it's to acknowledge it. And for us believers, we know how God has moved and continue to move in our lives. And I pray that whatever conviction that you feel or challenge that you experience, that we would not resist it or run away from it, but obey and walk towards it. And that is the second point that I'm trying to uh, make through this passage. How do we see the gospel as good news? Well, this is the second point. The reality is that no one is too far from God. You are far more loved than you can ever dare imagine. And it's true. Why God shows up to Saul, even though he murdered Stephen, persecuted the church, and even imprisoned women and children, is to show you and me that no one is beyond us. So even though you might think you are too far away from God, why it's called the good news is that God's love and God's grace is so vast that it is we are not beyond saving. That God's love he can even reach the furthest person, like Saul. So he could even reach people like you and me. And that's what we call grace. For example, there was one person I really believed that was beyond lost. And his name was Jonathan. And I really believe that because in the beginning, he visits church only one time and then just disappears. And the only reason why he visited was because he felt bad because Kevin actually gifted him a care package, which he had the audacity to feel disappointed by because he thought there were sneakers inside of that. So one whole year goes by, we don't hear him from again until one moment he comes and visits church. Now, what happened in that year? Long story short, he breaks up with his ex-girlfriend, experiences uh, heartbreak, and at that message, he come, as he comes to church, Doc preaches a message about God's love, agape love, and realizes what he was actually looking for is not the love of other people, but for God himself. And so he gives his life to Christ. Now, what is amazing about his story and what's surprising is not just his salvation, but what actually happens after. Because he starts joining 180 Fellowship and then starts helping. And incredibly enough, he actually began became a bridge and it's still a bridge to many of the students that have come into our doors of our fellowship in our church and Jonathan actually takes a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice to actually look out and care for these students and see how they're doing and inviting them to events and small groups and even just sitting them one-on-one -on -one in their lives and although people joke around that he's a flirt the reality is that he actually has a big heart and so when people ask, you know, why do you do this? 
you know, why do you go so far from me? You know, why would you go out of your way to hear what I'm, how, what I'm going through or to constantly invite me to small group or to church? Why do you do those things? And you know, Jonathan doesn't often say profound things, but he said something really, really profound that even surprised me. And he says, well, Kevin did that to me when I had no idea what the gospel was about. How can I not share that good news to those who have been in my shoes? And I was actually quite impressed, but it's true. And so for some of you guys who visited us in Day in the Sun, I'm sure you saw a bunch of new faces, you know, on the left side, bunch of college students. And you know, a majority of them came because it was actually Jonathan that was a bridge to connect them and invite them in. And you know, what was so interesting was that there was one student who actually talked to me about the event and she shared how grateful she was for going and experiencing the day in the sun because she invited her friend who never experienced a religious or even a church service in his life. And she shared how he felt so, so much at peace, so much life and joy being at that event at Day in the Sun to hear about what Jesus and who God might be. You know, folks, that's why we do what we do. And that's why we, we remain persistent. And that's why, again, this passage reminds us that no one is beyond loss. You know, and I want to talk to the believers here because I know a lot of times when we are reaching out to our friends and our family, we might, want, we might feel disappointed, discouraged, and we wonder if God is actually working or moving in their lives. And the truth is, in this passage, you know, when you look at Saul, it didn't appear that God was moving in his life at all until it was. And it could be the same for those who are within our lives, our relationships that we are trying to reach out to. Because the truth is, we don't know how God is working in their lives. We don't know what's going behind their scenes. Our job and our role is to be faithful and to be persistent and to continue to go on, even though it might not uh, appear within our logic or with, through the flesh of our eyes. And so I want to encourage you to keep pressing through, whether it's through prayer, whether through it's an invitation or to vote. And for you seekers, for those investigating, I want to encourage you guys to recognize the knocking of the Spirit, the manifest presence, the Shekinah glory that God has been trying to show uh, and reach out to you and help you see that He is there with you because He wants you to draw near to Him. And that is Him in those areas, in those spaces, and in those moments. And so I, I, hope, I hope that you don't feel resistant to it or reject it, but recognize that it's actually God speaking and answering to those questions and doubts in your heart. And so will you welcome Him in? Will you surrender and acknowledge God, just like how Solomon, that He is Lord and He is your Savior and He is your God. And He actually cares deeply about you and wants to have a relationship with you. And so as we end, and as Pastor Lydia leads us into worship again, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you recognize and convict you and open your eyes to these things. Will you pray with me?
Will you bow your heads? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1A Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1A Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. If you're a visitor joining us today, welcome. If you feel blessed by their service and you feel led to give, you can do so in the payment methods that I mentioned before. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with the group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180 BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who is a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition which is our SoundCloud and it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. And last but not least, if you'd like to learn more about our church and want to sign up for our weekly emails, you can come visit us at 180church.tv. That's it for all of our announcements. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you all next week. Bye!